0: We welcome you to Crack the Bob's Palace
1: Welcome to Something Came From Baltimore. Today we have Brooke Halperin. Welcome, Brooke Halperin, to Something Came From Baltimore.
2: Thank you, Tom. It's always great to be with you. Uh,
1: what is going on with you now?
2: Well, I'm still doing my Beatles radio show, Come Together with the Beatles. Been on for, my gosh, three and a half years now. And I had Julia Baird on recently. That's John Lennon's half sister. She gave me a very, very candid interview about what it was like to be with John when he was growing up and all the traumatic things that happened to him, which is partially responsible for him doing primal scream therapy Mm -hmm. in 1970. Uh, So that's going well. And my book, my book Experiencing the Beatles, a listener's companion, is still doing well. And I'm performing, actually. As you know, the 50th year anniversary of the White Album is coming up next month. So I'm going to be a featured Speaker at the Ventura County Museum of Art out here in California. I'll be performing some songs from the White Album and, of course, talking about what I wrote about those songs in my book.
1: You're busy, man. Yeah, the, the busier the better. <laughs> yeah. I love talking to you, Brooke Hopper, and I find that I, I listen to our conversations a long, more than I do any of the other ones that I record. Just because I'm a Beatle fan and you're just so knowledgeable. And uh, you're really giving with your uh, information, and your thoughts are a little different than mine, and it makes me really kind of, you know, look at, like, Beatle history a whole different way. We did Paul, solo Paul, so we thought, let's do Solo George and let's do Solo John, which will be in another episode. When it came to Solo George, there's things I want to talk about before we even get into the songs. Okay, good, good. Now, I am a big fan of some of his albums, but not others. I am an all-things-must-pass guy. Uh, I love uh, George Harrison from 1979. I think it's a a great album. I like Cloud Nine. Uh-huh, yeah. I think that's a fantastic album. And I think that Brainwashed uh, is pretty good. I don't think it's terrible. That's it. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah, he had some flunkies in there. Yeah. He did, uh, in the 70s. He did. Yeah, I don't, you know... Thirty-three and the third is
1: eh. extra texture. And then
2: he's got, yeah, extra texture. Eh. So yeah, I agree with you. And of course, the main reason why All Things Must Pass is so amazing is that he had a backlog of all these songs that John and Paul didn't want to record mm-hmm. that George wrote. You know, so there was like the floodgates opened, and a lot of it, of course, manifested on the All Things Must Pass album, which I think is by far. His best solo
1: album. I would call that an epic rock album. I, I know that there's a, a joke. If you remember the Meet the Ruttles, it was kind of a takeoff of. Of course. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So there was a, a joke of they were talking about George Harrison having such a backlog in that he could never write another song again because he's he was spent with that one album. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, which is kind of funny, but yeah. it's um, that album too. I have conversation. I always thought that it was overproduced a little, and I read the liner notes when uh, there was a reissue when he was still alive, and he yeah. felt that maybe the the arrangements were a little over the top. Um, yeah.
2: Well, parts some of the songs are folk-oriented, especially the one, you know, he wrote, wrote a song with Bob Dylan, which we'll talk about, and he actually covered some of Bob's songs, you know, if not for you as well. So it does have a folk quality to it and even sort of a country folk quality to it but then you get into things like Wawa mm-hmm. you know Wawa is just a screaming screaming rocker no doubts about it so I'd say there's sort of a eclectic mix of things and then you get into things like Isn't It a Pity version 2 which is very different from version 1 and then you've got Apple Scruffs which is really solo George you know it's, Apple Scruffs is the only song on that album which has not been specterized by Phil's Wall of Sound. So it, uh, that's an outstanding track, I believe, because it doesn't really sound like all oh, the the other songs on the album, Apple Scruffs, which happens to be <laughs> on my list.
1: It is on your list. I thought well, we're getting right into your list. I, I have other comments, too. Um, yeah. When I did the top ten, like I, I know that you refused to count your your, your top ten in order, and right. I, and I respect you for that. However, I, I like to do the ten. I like to, uh, and I've actually made some changes from the what I've showed yeah. you. I, I have to admit, I like more George Harrison Beatles songs than I do his actual solo catalog. Solo songs? Yeah, I went through. There's 28 uh, Beatles songs that George did the lead on, and I picked out 10 that I'd say are even better than the 10 that I'm going to talk to you about solo.
2: But the 28 songs, some of those songs were not written by George,
1: correct? Well, I'll give you a rundown of these are the songs that I think are better than the top 10 that I have. Now, I know it's blasphemy, but, you know, I'm a George fan. So I listen to all his albums and yeah. I, there are bright spots all over the place. But I love these songs more. And I don't know it's because it's repetition. I do believe that he did a disservice to himself when he was a solo artist. His vocals are really, I don't know, it, it was Jeff Lynn that just said, look, you can sing, man, just sing. And we're going right. to throw your vocals real high into the mix and be expressive. And some of the albums, are he gets into a really kind of whispery kind of drone along with the instrumentation that is kind of matches that tone. And I, I think that, you know, uh, George Martin did a good, was able to incorporate what he has to offer, which he has an awesome voice. And um, I think that when he collaborates, you know, you had the Phil Spector. And you had the Jeff Lynn, uh the traveling Wilbury stuff. Yeah. He kicks butt, but uh, when he kind of has left his own devices, I think he loses a little. I don't know. Like he, it's it's less. It's more intimate, I guess, uh, with his stuff. So, so of the ten, these are the ten that I like better than any solo stuff. And I know that people who are going to listen to this are just going to turn this off right now, but. I, I'm I'm honest. Uh, do you <laughs> okay. do you want to know a secret? I think his voice is fantastic in that. Um, I yeah, yeah. I need you from help. Yep. If, if I needed someone is
2: oh, if I needed someone is fantastic. Not to mention Paul's bass line and John and Paul's harmony with George. Oh gosh, it's, it, it is. I think that's a fantastic song. Of course, George wrote it. Now he did not write. Do you want to know a secret? John and Paul wrote that. Mostly John wrote
1: that one, it's, interestingly enough. It's awesome the way he. Do you promise yeah, not his to vocals, tell? Buckles are perfect. It's yeah. very, you know, he throws a, a little, you know, a Liverpool spin on the, on the language. Oh, it absolutely. sounds great. Absolutely. Yeah. Or like on purpose. Um, You Can't Beat Tax Man. I mean, it's amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I Want to Tell You is a great song. Yeah. Um, the inner light, I people hate, but I love that song. It's kooky, fun. Do you really? Love no the song, kidding. love it. Oh, no uh, I know. Um, While my guitar gently weeps, I think is amazing. Uh, uh, masterpiece, song. masterpiece song. Long, long, long. Uh huh. You like long, long, long? Okay. Yeah. Savrola truffle. Is Is I like truffle, yeah. And here comes the sun. There's ten songs that are better than the ones I picked. So I just had to put it out there. I I believe. Well, now
2: now now that you put that out there, Mm -hmm. okay. Now I'd have to for my George Harrison top ten songs when he was with the Beatles. Mm -hmm. I agree with most of what you said, but I would have to put most certainly. Think for Yourself in there. Oh, I yeah. think Think for Yourself is an absolutely amazing George song on Rubber Soul. I agree. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. No, yeah. he's they're awesome. And you know, his vocals are commanding in all those songs that we talked about. They're kind of filled with confidence that I feel that this some of these albums that just didn't have it. And I know that uh, he um, you know, was going through throat issues when he was singing live and I, oh, and, yeah, and 74 in the Dark Horse Tour. He just terrible. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, someone really, I think maybe people get self-indulgent when they're by themselves. In his case, it kind of shows on those albums. He he goes to what feels comfortable to him. And I really think it, Extra Texture, Dark Horse, and 33 and a Third, and Gone Trapo yeah. is just kind of all goes the same. Um,
2: I agree with you. And I think part of the reason of what you're talking about is that he was, he, had, he had the com- camaraderie of two of the best songwriters in the world and probably the best record producer at the time in the world when he was with the Beatles. So he was being fueled by all that positive, creative energy sure. that was going on in the Beatle world. And as you said, when he's out on his own, well, guess what? They're not there. Yeah. so I think you you raise a very valid point
1: Tom huh? it's kind of I guess you're playing to the level you're playing tennis you normally play the level of the person you're playing with if they're fantastic you up your game if they're That's exactly they're, right. they're bad you kind of seem to be bad too <laughs> now <laughs> I, I got one other thing before I go in these countdown about George is yeah. one thing I noticed about him is you know he was m- marked the quiet one but well, so- yeah, that's the part. You know, he's very he's very sarcastic and and biting in, in a lot of his dialogue. Um, yeah. you know, I I'm just a, a Beatle fan, so you know, I can't stop listening to old interviews, etc. I just noticed that you know, when you put John in a room and George in a room and Ringo, they're all very sarcastic. And, and I mean, they're talented and witty guys, but, and Paul, I don't, I think is lesser, but it, it would be really hard to get something going on. Like the, it's amazing that they got the work done, you know, I guess when they go in to, to record, they're all business, but they're all very sarcastic guys. I mean, they're not, I wouldn't say any yep. of them would be easy to get along with. I could be wrong. Yeah,
2: well that's. That's part of being up in the northern part of England, the Liverpudlian sarcasm, where well, they call it the dark humor, you know. So that's where that all comes from. But getting back to George being called the quiet Beatle, all things being relative, if you compare George Harrison to John Lennon, yeah, George is a lot quieter than John, and he's also a lot quieter than Paul. So I guess you have to look at it that way, in terms of that context, with those two very strong, dominant personalities of John and Paul.
1: Mm-hmm. I was listening to... Um an interview he said and he said i never want to be a lead man he goes i just don't like it yeah that's right that's and he right. goes, i just like to play guitar and i like to be in the background i'm willing to give yep. up that space um yep. it, he goes it's too stressful for me i, I just uh find it you know uh, it's not good for my my body he said i just feel like i get stressed out um yeah Absolutely, and that's why he worked so well with the Beatles with John and Paul and Ringo. Mm-hmm.
2: However, however, yes, I agree with you, but his frustration was not that he wanted to be the front man of the Beatles. His frustration, of course, was that he wanted to be more of a recorded artist-writer. Mm-hmm. His frustration was you know, that they wouldn't cover, they wouldn't record the songs that George wrote. That was his frustration, uh, but I agree with you in what he said, of course, and I believe he spoke the truth when you said that he was comfortable being sort of a, a, a back a bit you know, a back a bit behind John and Paul. yeah, That was a very comfortable position for him given his personality.
1: Yeah and uh, you know maybe that that kind of falls into his solo work also. We look at Jeff Lynn and Jeff Lynn must have given him the confidence to really just blow it out the water because uh, Cloud9 is amazing and Yes, tr- it is. The yeah. Traveling Wilbury stuff is just awesome too. And um, it's just am- And also the two, you know, John Lennon songs that, that they uh, real love. And God, I can't remember the other one. Tree is a Bird. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I knew you'd yeah. come in handy. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel that Jeff knows what to do with uh, George. And obviously, they had a really good relationship, uh, a friendship that, um, that really worked.
2: And again, uh, George wasn't alone he wasn't producing himself yeah so that goes back to what we talked about earlier he's with Jeff Lynn so there's an energy there that they're feeding on one another not to mention my god the talent and the personalities in the traveling Wilburys is over the top yeah. <laughs> so he was very inspired and he was a selfish they turned on he was turned on vocally and he was very excited so he loved the Wilburys because he was with some of the people that he, he idolized when when he was young growing up as a teenage boy
1: Brookwood, it's time to get into your top 10.
2: Oh, my top 10? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, all right. Well, for George Harrison, certainly, as I mentioned, all things must pass. It's very difficult not to pull a lot of the top 10 from that album because so many songs on that album are just so damn good. Mm-hmm. So so for sure, I'd Have You any time, which was co-written with Dylan, by the way, is definitely uh, in my top 10. And again, this is not, I didn't put them in order. You know, I mean, for instance, Isn't It a Pity is such a spectacular song. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and Apple Scrubs. So these are just 10 of the songs that I particularly like by George. But I happen to write, I'd have you any time as the first one I wrote down. So I suppose it does say something.
1: It's a great song. Uh, I, I had it in my top 10 and I, I dropped it. Oh, um, well, you did! Yeah, yeah, I had to. Be, I mean, there's another song that I just felt uh, I'm I'm yeah. cheating out, uh, and that's the problem when you when you look at top ten. There are great George Harrison songs that that whole All Things Must Pass is just a really good album, but um, I think that I'll Have You Anytime just is amazing.
2: Yeah, it's a beautiful song. The chord changes there, the, the uh, chord progression is really beautiful, and the way that. I've got to say, I've got to give Phil Spector credit. I mean, the way that song sounds in terms of the way it was produced is just perfect. It yeah. really is.
1: Yeah, and in, in that case, I believe that it was, there there's nothing more or less you should do to that song. It was dead on. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, that's not on mine, but it was before I gave you the list and it was on it. So I think very strongly of it. What, what else you got?
2: Uh, from the same album, Behind That Locked Door, mm-hmm. which was a song that George wrote for Dylan. You know, George and, and Dylan were were very close in late 68, um, actually 69, and they, they even recorded together at CBS at um, in New York in May of 1970. They never released it, but they did a bunch of songs together. They were very quite close, Dylan. And George, even though you would think that John would be closer with Dylan, Mm -hmm. it actually turned out that George became more of a friend with Dylan than John. So behind that locked door, and of course, there's that amazing uh, pedal steel guitar part played by Pete Drake, which is just perfect dressing on that song. And Billy Preston plays the organ on it as well.
1: Yeah, it's a great song. It's awesome. So your next song is my favorite song of his solo What's that your love is forever.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, that is just so beautiful. Mm Oh my god Uh, It's one of my favorite songs by George the melody uh, What he says of course lyrically, it's a perfect combination of how the music perfectly matches the lyrics and that's really important for me as a writer myself you know you can have a great sounding song but if it's an up-tempo song and it's about the blues and crying and somebody dying hey you know it doesn't work mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is a perfect marriage of lyric and music and it's definitely one of my favorites and that's uh, i believe on the self-titled album george harrison from 1979.
1: Yep, it's awesome. one here that is I I call that number one your love is forever is number one Uh, number seven is isn't it a pity
2: oh my god isn't it a pity now there's two versions there's the first version which was the released as a as a single uh, on the B side of my sweet Lord and that of course which is also on all things must pass that to me that first version is mind-blowing Mm-hmm. it's it's almost it's repetitive to the point where it's almost like a meditation in a way you know it it's hypnotic you know the way he keeps repeating those three chords and then they, they, they he adds more chords on the bridge if you will but it, it's in the sound of it you know every instrument that's being played on that song is just just absolutely perfect and his vocals are perfect And the end of the song, I don't know if you've noticed or not, Tom, but the end of the song is a variation of the Hey Jude ending chorus. They actually bring it in vocally, it's in the mix, you can hear it. It's actually in there, which is kind of interesting. Because isn't it a pity that the Beatles broke up? <laughs> you know, isn't it a pity? You know that they don't get along anymore. You know, and and so the lyrics to the song, I think, for me, can be interpreted as, isn't it a shame that you know you're not the friends that you thought you thought you had, and you're not the buddy of the band buddies, and the Beatles are no more. Isn't it a pity? And then he brings in the sort of just a just a touch. Of that ending chorus of Hey Jude. Do you mm. like uh, that
1: song as well? Love it. Uh, Isn't It a Pity is number seven for me. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. Okay. And uh, it's, you know, I guess time passes. I mean, obviously it's about the Beatles, but um, I, I look at it in different ways. I think it's uh, how we tear each other's heart. Isn't it a pity? Um, yeah. it, it's just really interesting song I mean and it's also got, that's that emo part where it's depressive it's a depressive song it makes it makes me sad and but it's yeah, so good it is, sad. It, mm-hmm.
2: it is sad how we take each other's love mm-hmm. without thinking anymore I mean that's a deep lyric
1: yeah 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 it's it seems to me that it, it's uh, I mean it, it's it's very similar to John Lennon at that time period of just saying it Whatever it is, it's raw. It's coming out. And that's what this song is. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, your next song? I'm Oh, my God, this next song. I love it. Uh, This is my number three song. Tell me about it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I
2: mean, that, that guitar riff immediately pulls you in. It's like the sound of the guitar, the choice of the notes, and, of course, what is he saying? Again, another perfect match of lyric and music. What is life without your love? I mean, how can you not find that appealing and be attracted to that? Because it's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so true. So for sure. I mean, I. it doesn't matter how many times I hear that song. I mean, I can hear it now, and I've been listening to it since it came out, you know, in December of 1970. And I still love hearing it now, as I will tomorrow and next week. I never get tired of what is life.
3: I'm sorry.
1: your uh, next one I don't have on my list but I this is from the the George Harrison album
2: yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. love comes to everyone again here he is singing about love and it's very it, it's kind of a variation your love is forever of course that's a bit more personal whereas love comes to everyone is more pluralistic if you will it applies to a larger group of people everyone so but I love it uh, again. A perfect m- match with lyric and music it's infectious and, and I, I think it's a great song that's why I had, I had to write it down I had to put it on my list
1: it's a good one that it just fits the the mood of that album I don't know it's just really it's a good song it's a, I think you have a good choice there
2: did you know that the uh, Stevie winwood is on that track he's uh, doing background vocals and playing the harmonium
1: Mm. And, uh,
2: well, yeah, Love Comes to Everyone is a, is a gem, absolute gem.
1: Something that's
0: never changing, always a part of. Something that's never aging, that's in your heart. The fog and in the rain, through the pleasures and the pain, on the step outside the sand, with your flowers in your hand, my apple scrubs While the years are come and go, they love most surely show.
1: All right, so you talked about Apple Scruffs. If you could talk about you know, why that's on your list.
2: Well, Apple Scruffs, of course, is a song about the Beatles fans and how they adored the Beatles. And everywhere they went, they would find the Apple Scruffs, the Beatles fans, you know, at Abbey Road or outside a theater where they were playing or what have you. So I think it's a, it's a beautiful tribute in acknowledging the Apple Scruffs. How I Love You. He loved, he's saying he loves the Apple Scruffs. He loves the Beatle fans. And again, musically, as I would mentioned earlier, it's the simpler production track on All Things Must Pass. And it's George playing everything with the exception of one instrument. George does not play the woodblock. And you know who plays the woodblock on that one? Tom? Ringo? You would think it was Ringo, but no, it's Mal Evans. Oh, okay. <laughs> he gave, <laughs> gave it to Mal. big Mal. Mal's on the woodblock. Yeah, and again, harmonica, it's very folky, and it's kind of a Dylan-esque in a way, you know, with the harmonica and the guitars going on. Again, another indication or example of the Dylan-Harrison combination during that time period.
1: All right, now, the next one, I am a little perplexed on
0: Talking up a storm Act like they don't know it but here it is and here it comes, he comes a moon. The moon.
1: But it's not a bad song.
2: (laughs) I perplexed Tom on Here Comes the Moon. Yeah,
1: Here Comes the Moon.
2: Oh, yeah. My God, the guitar work, the vocals are haunting. He wrote it when he was in Maui. As you probably know, he had a home out in Maui. You go there frequently. And, gosh, it's just a beautiful song. And to top it off, I was... I was visiting England uh, three years in a row back in the 90s and went to one of the castles out in Kent, County Kent, and going back to uh, my cousin's car, uh, it was, the the sun had set and the moon was just coming up over the hills. And we got into my cousin's car and he happened to turn on whatever he had in his CD player and here comes the moon came up. (laughs) So uh, I've got that sort of real experience with the song and hearing it then in England. But aside from that, even if that never happened, I still think it's a very, very underrated George Harrison song, Here Comes the
1: Moon. Yeah, that's on the, the uh, George Harrison album, the 1979 that we love. I remember that when I was reading you know, interviews or reviews about that album, that they were focused on that this was a remake of Here Comes the Sun. And when I listened to it, I don't get that. I mean, I understand. No, no. No, lyrically,
2: lyrically, it's a variation, but
1: musically, no. Yeah. And I was like, well, I don't like that comparison because I know that it's easy for, for, you know, a reviewer to say, oh, this is a sequel or this is a rewrite. And it's it's not even Uh close.
3: I agree. I agree
1: with you. Okay. So the next one is from uh, somewhere in England.
0: Shouting all about love Well they cheated you like a dog
2: somewhere in England, 1981. And, my gosh, I mean, here's George Harrison basically expressing his love for all those years when he was with John Paul and Ringo, when he was with the Beatles. And musically, it's, it's, a, it's great. I mean, it's a great piece of music. It, it sounds great. I love the sentiment. I love what he says. And that's why I had to put it on the list.
1: That's a good choice, actually. And, and the... The fact that this was his first song or album from after John Lennon's death, so it was addressing yes, that. So that's it, right. it's very bittersweet. And also, it's just a really good song too.
2: Yes, and speaking of the Beatles, Ringo plays the drums on the track, and Paul and his wife Linda and Denny Lane sing background vocals. So it's kind of a Beatle production. you
1: know, Yeah, you're right. Is. It doesn't get any better than that. Uh,
2: Back then, long time
0: ago, when grass was green
1: Um, the last one I I applaud you it was number 11 on mine I just didn't make it so um, let's go with that one
2: yeah yeah again when we was fab I mean lyrically it's very similar to all those years ago but it's a fabulous it's a fantastic song how how could you not like when we was fab? See that's Gary Wright playing the piano lick. Did Pretty sure that's Gary. And you got Jeff Lynn also on the track playing keyboards and mm-hmm. background vocals and uh, you, bass guitar.
1: Yeah. You, no, he loved, was fab. Love to get his hands on the you know, the I'm um, the walrus stuff and you know, the, the, the sitar at the end. Yeah, uh, the sitar it, at
2: the end is perfect.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's yeah. just so, like, if you, it's little little pastiches of, uh, you know, the Beatle career all mixed in that one song.
2: And yeah, when we was fab, and by the way, it's like, yeah, that's right. This is when we was fab by George Harrison. And speaking of which, when I was with the Beatles, I brought a lot of Indian music to the group. So here's some sitar at the end of the song. You know, it's, yeah. it's perfect. Yeah. By the way, that was written by George and Jeff Lynne. Is a co-write on that song.
1: Uh, What does this mean? Like, I should know it, but it goes, Now It's All Over Baby Blue. And the lyric in that, do you know what what that's referring to?
2: Well, It's All Over Now Baby Blue is a a Dylan lyric.
1: Oh, okay. All right.
2: Yeah, that's a Dylan lyric. And also, Badfinger did a song called Baby Blue as well. Well, They didn't say It's All Over, but It's All Over Now Baby Blue is a Dylan lyric. So there again, even... Uh, you know, years later, there's still <laughs> Dylan. Dylan's coming through with George.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a great song. It's an awesome song. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to do mine. I like to do mine in order. I, I get a big kick out of it. I went to the George Harrison album also, and my number 10 is Faster, which is the intro yes. to the album. Yeah, um, I know the track. Yep. Yeah, it's the master of going faster. I got the album, and I put this song on. And yeah. I was like, "Yes, finally! Like, I'm, I'm digging this. It, it, huh. it starts off the album in a, in a great way, and, and I, I, uh, yeah. I don't get sick of it. I like it.
2: Uh-huh. Of course, as you know, or as you probably know, you know, George was a huge race car enthusiast. You know, he, I mean, he had many sports cars himself. He, he just loved fast cars, so it's only appropriate that he would ride faster. I still
0: I go round and
1: round
0: In circles Love someone, change your mind Anxiety was a swine You go round and round In circles He who knows does not speak He who speaks does not
1: Now, number nine is an outtake that I listened to for years uh, that was on the White Album out. And I thought, well, if by chance that they played this, it would have been the creepiest, like Pink floyd song that the Beatles ever did. It's called Circle. It just has a really menacing drone, uh, uh, a keyboard um, progression that's very... Pink Floyd at the time. I was hoping that they would have ever cleaned it up and it would have come out, but it never did. But he he made a a generic version of it on Going Trappo. He used the same lyrics. He kind of just modified the song. But um, it's one of those. I wish this song got finished because I think it's really weird and fun.
2: You know, it's interesting because that's the kind of song that John and Paul could have worked with. You know, to they could have contributed to it to really make it into something, but well, that that didn't happen. I mean, it, you talk about an obscure Harrison track. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that but. Would be the most obscure.
1: But it's also like, wow, the stuff that they throw on the kid you know out is is gold. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, this is a great song. I would just put it put it out there somewhere. Um, number eight for me is Cloud Nine. It's a great uh-huh. it's a great blue song. It's. Uh, mm-hmm it's just a really good intro to that album um, it's I don't know, I feel that the guitar work is fantastic his vocals yeah. are clean and that's great yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah very Jeff Linish for sure
1: yeah have my love
0: it fits you like a glove Enjoy my dream, tell me yes Bail out should there be a mess The pieces you don't need are mine Take my time I'll show you cloud night
1: Number seven is Isn't It a Pity That You Have? Um, number six for me is from uh, Living in the Material World Uh, give give me love Uh, and I just feel it just fits that the narrative of what George was was doing at the time give me love give me peace on earth it's just a really great song and a great message
2: Um, it's a beautiful message of course but I've got to tell you and then this one reason why I didn't include it on my list is that I was never ever happy with the way the song was produced. I don't like the way it sounds. Mm-hmm. And I don't like the ending as well, where he's just kind of drifting off and strumming some chords and it goes nowhere. So it's just, I think the song could have been better actually, I really
1: do. Well, that's the same thing with uh, living in the material world, the whole album. It, it needed a little help. Uh, it's a, there, there's some really good songs on there. Uh, you know, it's just the production value is just a little off. I just think that it's a radio song for me that I really liked. Uh, uh-huh. But I totally agree with you. I mean, I, I understand where you're coming with. I, I'm going to hold yeah. on to it, though. It's can't go off my top. <laughs> Keep <laughs> it on your list. Yeah. It's still on my list. By the way, speak,
2: speaking of uh, living in a material world, that song on that album, I far prefer than Give Me Love, Give Me Peace on Earth. I love it. It is a good song. I, I almost put I almost put "Material living in a material world on my list, but... I ran out of slots because I had already put 10 down, so if if I had to go for a number 11, it would have been living in the material world.
1: Great song. Uh, uh, It was in my my grouping. Was it? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, All Things Must Pass was five for me, and uh, what I scratched out um, and put on is I got my mindset on you for number four. And I, and I just feel that uh, there was a time, 1987, that song was in everyone's heart and mind. George, George, yeah. George Harrison was never considered a poster boy for MTV or pop or, or for anything. And that's, right. the song is so catchy and so much fun and clean. It's very, it's Jeff Lynne, obviously. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. It's <laughs> a perfect pop song. Perfect yeah. Pop song. And I, it seems like it's the best of two worlds together. And uh, I listened to the original oh, I'm gonna have to, uh, uh, something Ray. Johnny Ray, which is it's yes of, Johnny Ray. Johnny yeah. Ray. And that was nice. and I was reading people's uh, YouTube comments where they preferred Johnny Ray, which I didn't and uh, it's maybe because it's it, it's just a little too 60s. but um, I thought as a remake it's an obscure song to do and I think he killed it.
3: Yeah, he did. He did
2: absolutely.
1: Uh, what is life is number 3 which we you had yep. uh, um number 2 was from cloud 9 it's called just for today it's
2: oh my god oh my god i had that song on my <laughs> list Tom. It's Let, beautiful. and and his vocal on that song i think it might be his best sensitive vocal that he ever gave us his voice blows me away yeah. on that song
1: yeah yeah it's you know, it's like a meditation. It's a poem. It's yes. it's um, it's earnest and 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 uh, filled with truth. And, you know, with a Jeff Flynn production, they could have really kind of overproduced it and they didn't. Um, they let him let him uh, just read it. And every like every time that I listen to it, it's just like it doesn't fit the album for yes, the,
3: you're right, you're right,
1: that's right and, and that's kind of why I was like, it's so good <laughs> It's a, such a great song If just
0: today I could try to live through this day
1: And your love is forever is the song that was from um, George Harrison's uh, album. That's my number one, and it's just, yeah. a, just a great wow. song.
3: We, we both agree on that one, yeah, for
1: sure. Yeah. So we recapped. Uh, we we love George. We think he's fantastic. Um, there's stuff that we believe it really could have hit our top tens. It's unfortunate. Maybe go to twenty. I'm a Beatle George guy. However. Uh, I'm still a, a George fan, so I would always uh-huh. look at his catalog and uh, hope for the best. <laughs>
3: uh huh. Uh huh. Sure.
1: Well, any other thoughts? We, we've been shitting chatting for 45 minutes on this one. Well, for thoughts on George, mm-hmm.
2: George, I think was a, a dichotomy. He was very spiritual, as we know, but he was also very physical and very earthy. So we had this dichotomy going on, I think, internally. He was, shall we say, rather promiscuous, uh, even when he was married. And that certainly didn't go over well with Patty Harrison. But he was also messing about, even with the early days with Olivia, you know? So spiritual, yeah. Physical, yeah. Interesting Mm -hmm. mix
1: you know he also had a very spiritual you know um, awakening and then got addicted to coke you know it's like where did that come from (laughs) you know like yeah yeah, and and that was a just you just don't see that like that seems like a weird thing to happen but you know he just by listening to some of the um, interviews he's like well you know, my friends are people who have really dramatic experiences, like Eric Clapton, like, you know, it's just like I'm, I'm jet-setting even when I'm not doing anything, just because of my friends. Mm.
2: Yeah, yeah, well, true. And speaking of the lifestyle, back in the days of the Beatles, you know, it was, it was George and John who first did acid together, and George and John did a lot of LSD together long before Paul took the tablet, yeah. So that brought George and John closer together because they had that, they shared that in common between the two of them. And Paul was kind of like, well, you know what, you don't know what we do, kind of thing. So Paul was kind of left out of it, which is rather interesting. Because as you probably know, when George first came into the Beatles, you know, John, he was leery of George to begin with because of the age difference. But as time went on, you know, George eventually worked his way into John's heart, I guess you could say, and they became very close in 1971, very, very close, when John uh, was working on his Imagine album. You know, George is all over that record Mm -hmm. on John's second LP. Uh,
1: Thank you very much, Brooke Halpern, for doing uh, the George Harrison solo hits.
2: Yeah, you're very welcome, Tom. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for bringing me into your show
1: again. Yeah, I love it. Uh, it's a personal favorite of mine, and uh, we hope to see you soon. Thank you, Tom. Could you tell the audience like uh, what's going on with you, how, where they can find you?
2: Yeah, the best way to find me is Google my name, Brooke with an E, Halbin, H-A-L-P as in Paul, I-N. Google me. I'm also on Facebook, But that's the best way to do it. I've got books. My books are on Amazon. Do You Really Know the Beatles? A Quiz Book is on Amazon. And my newest book, Experiencing the Beatles, A Listener's Companion, is also on Amazon. So I would love to hear from the folks in Baltimore, all all the way over there on the East Coast, since I'm on the other side of the country. You could always message me on Facebook. I'd love to hear from your listeners, Tom. Maybe they would like to send me a message. That'd be great.
1: I think that's a great idea.